It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody, and happy Labor Day. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend where they got a little rest and relaxation. Because football season is here. It is game week, week one of the 2023 NFL regular season. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow with you. We will get to your calls early and often at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. And this is the week we're going to take some of your bold predictions. I know some of you have gotten them in already. <laughs> but if you want to give us a call over the next couple of days before we get heavy into game preview stuff with Giants and Cowboys, which of course kick off the Giants season on Sunday Night Football, you can certainly do that. We'll keep track of them in our little document here, and then we'll go embarrass ourselves at the end of the regular season uh, with what people selected as their bold predictions. Gentlemen, how are your weekends? Paulie Dots? Yeah, pretty good, John, although I have to say my stress level was at an all-time high because to have this bye week between the preseason and the regular season just has Wait, me bouncing off second. the ceiling. Hold on a second. I talked to you. Wasn't your, like, your wife on like vacation with a friend this weekend? Oh, her and her sister. Yeah, so you got all the house to yourself. You went to Springsteen. How are you stressed out? Well, no, no. She came back on Thursday. Oh, okay. I I went to see Bruce on Friday. Okay. And by the way, he's still bowing the run. Lance, how about you? (laughs) Just working? This is usual. Just working? Indeed. And then you heard Lance, you were on 8 to 11 this morning, 8 to 10 Uh, on Sirius, 7 to 10, 10, something like that with Ryan Leaf. So, all right, guys, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little, we did our NFL season preview on the Friday show. So go back, check that out. We go by division to by division. Yeah. We do award winners, all that check. Go all that stuff. Go check that out on Friday show on our uh, Giants mobile app, Giants.com slash podcast, your favorite podcast platform. So go check that out today. We're going to do more of a focus on the Giants. We're going to get through it kind of quick. We'll do a teeny little bit on Giants and Cowboys, and then we will get to your calls at 201-939-4513. All right, guys. So instead of doing the same stuff we've done all summer and just repeating ourselves ad nauseum, <laughs> I'm going to pose a couple of questions which I think are pertinent on both sides of the ball, and we'll see if we answer them similarly or differently as we go. Paul, I'm going to start with you. I know you're the internal op- eternal optimist here. You predicted 10 or 11 wins yep. on Friday's show. Yep. So I'm going to go this. Paul, what's the thing you're most worried about going wrong this year that could short-circuit your prediction and knock the Giants out of the playoffs? You want me to give you three in order? You can give me a one, I'll give two, you three, three in order. Give I'll give you, you three in order. Go ahead. Number one, special teams coverage. I'd like to believe that Taiwan James uh, Jones, the running back they just brought in from the Bills, who is a special teams demon, he was signed to the practice squad. I don't think that's a mistake. I think that was done with the sole intent of enhancing the Giants' special teams. I'm sure they purposely signed him to the practice squad. They weren't trying to sign him to the active roster. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, a lot of people were like, he's 34 years old. He's a running back who barely plays running back. Why did they bother signing him? There was, was some criticism in the media. He was with the Raiders for most of his career, yeah. Started yeah, with yeah, the Raiders yeah. and actually spent more time with Buffalo than he did the Raiders. Really? Okay. Yeah, he started with the Raiders, though, back in 11. He was fourth-round draft pick out of yeah. Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. And in the last three years, he's played over 800 snaps on special teams combined and has 17 special teams tackles in like 47 games. This is what he does. He plays on all the coverage units, and he was their special teams captain. So he was signed to the practice squad at 34 years old. I think he was brought in here with the uh, thinking that he'll be a practice squad activation at the beginning. And if he proves that he's still got gas left in his tank— he may wind up being the X factor as the special teams demon that this team could really use on the coverage units. Okay, that's one. Okay, but so that's one. Two, I am concerned about the uh, fluidity and the gelling of the offensive line. The starting five have had very few snaps together, and that's a big deal for me. And number three, the two rookie corners. I mean, they will make rookie mistakes. Mark Haynes made a ton of them when he was a rookie. And got burned a lot and then turned into a Pro Bowl guy a couple of years later. Well, how often will opponents be able to take advantage of Banks and Hawkins and make the Giants pay 
in a very serious way. So those are my three in order. All right, you hit my number two and three. Those are my one and two, one on each side of the ball. I would put probably corners a little ahead of the offensive line, opposite side of you, but those to me are my two concerns as well, yeah. Lance. How about you? Yeah, I would echo those sentiments. I think the concern about the youth at cornerback, especially when you look at what's in the division and the receivers that they're going to go up against, you have to at least take that into consideration. And then on top of that, the interior of the offensive line, the two guards in the center. Even without the gelling point that you were talking about, Paul, I'm looking at it more of the heavy lifters in the division with Dallas and Philadelphia. How do they stand up to that? And then also who they're going to go up against in the AFC East, okay? The Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, Patriots, all really good defenses that are going to test specifically the interior of the offensive line. And then the third one I would throw in would be if there's going to be more of an approach to be aggressive on offense this season. And Daniel Jones is going to take more chances down the field. And they're going to really open up the playbook. Can you keep the turnovers in check, Yeah, which was really good last season? Or does that go up a little bit because, once again, you have that more aggressive approach and a little bit more passing? So that would be the third item. Maybe not as worried as the first two. But I would round out my three with the turnovers. I think that's a good one. All right, so now I'm going to put this on the other side of Lance. You can lead off with this. What are the one or two things? Because in your NFL preview for the Giants, you did not have them in the playoffs. Correct. So what for you has to go right? What could maybe defy your expectations to get this team into the postseason or even challenge for a division title? Well, I'll start with, once again, I think the two rookie corners really need to exceed expectations this season Mm -hmm. and hold their ground against, once again, in the division, the receiving core, and then where they're going to be battle-tested outside. You want to see, not necessarily interceptions, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for solid coverage and limiting explosive plays. If those two guys could do that, you know, that's when all of a sudden you now move up the ladder, specifically even within the division. The interior of the offensive line, I think, needs to hold up and needs to be as strong in pass protection as the ability to perhaps run protect for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And then I would say the third item that has to go right is we talked all offseason about bringing in Sean Robinson, Nacho, and Bobby Okereke. If they finish with a top five run defense, okay, I'm going to put the standard very high. That is high. Okay, I am, but I think they're capable mm. of doing that with the personnel they have in that grouping. If that group can achieve that status, you know, that's when all of a sudden you start limiting a plethora of weapons that you're going to see over the course of the season. And I think that can make the Giants even that much more dangerous on defense and also alleviate the pressure from those two young corners. All right, the two items I'll add to that very quickly is something you brought up in your previous answer, Lance, is a more dynamic passing game on offense. If you really want to, you know, surpass Dallas, right, and catch Philly, you need to be a more consistent, dynamic passing attack. And we've gone through that all yep. offseason. You had the speed, Darren Walls addition, staying healthy. That That's all great. My second one, and I, I don't think we need to get, you know, last year, one of the last teams in the league, 20-plus passes. We've been over this a million times. Right. The other one I'll throw in there, and I'll focus on an individual player for this one. And you can do that too, poor. You can take a bigger topic, however you want to cover it. Evan Neal's got to be better. You know, Lance talked about the interior of the offensive line, right? Well, last year, there was way too much consistent pressure off the right side of that Giants offensive line. And Evan Neal, you hope he continues to improve in year number two. There's no reason to think he he won't. But development of players are not a straight line, right? You have Mm -hmm. peaks, you have valleys, they go up and down. And I think the Giants need him to be significantly better because if you need to consistently hold in your running back or hold in a tight end to help on that side and pass pro, that's going to limit point number one, explosive passing. And that's going to limit all the interesting things they've done with Saquon Barkley as a wide receiver in training camp. So... That, to me, is the other thing that I'll kind of, you know, put a little check mark next to. If the Giants can do those two things, if the right tackle can be better consistently as a pass protector and they can be more explosive on offense, and I think those two things are also tied together, yeah. I think that's where, okay, you know what, now we're talking about winning a couple playoff games and, and maybe competing. Yeah, and you know, John, in a way, you know, that's 1-1A one one for you, I think, because if Neil's better, the bigger plays will happen. They're absolutely connected. No right. question. They, are, they really are. So I'll go with the explosive plays on offense easily. That's unanimous. Yep. We've we've we killed that, that topic. Mm-hmm. My God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I and I I, I kind of debate my second my second reason why they could challenge for the division and exceed just a playoff spot like I think they'll get. And I'm kind of struggling between Lance's answer about the rush defense, which I think the additions should significantly 
significantly, not just a bit, but a lot. Yeah, but it's, it's funny. I, I just feel so confident because of the improved personnel. I'm almost not even worried about that at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, though? Well, maybe I should be. I don't know. Well, they still got to get on the field and do it. 100%. Right? Yeah, yep. You know, yeah. That's past, fair. past history is no uh, guarantee of future results, as they tell you in Wall Street. Different players in a different scheme and the right. whole nine yards. So, so fair, I, all fair points. I kind of I kind of waffling between that and... The flip side of the explosive plays, because if the Giants' rookie corners, in terms of their mistakes, if those mistakes turn into 50-yard bombs and 35-yard touchdown passes, you know, explosive plays on the other side, that can be very, very bad. Which, by the way, I think we all thought they were going to give up more of those last year. And they didn't. The cornerback situation was even worse last year than it is this year. Right. But they managed to limit it. Now, here's the trick, though. How much of that was a product of the teams they played against, being unable to take advantage of that? Better weaponry on the other side of the yeah. field and in this schedule. quarterbacks. No that, question. Yeah, 100%. Like, no question. You know, last year, you, we talked about this a million times. You had all those AFC South teams. Um, then you had the teams in the NFC. And even in some of the good quarterbacks they faced, the Ravens had no wide receivers left by the time the Giants played right, them. Right. Uh, the Packers were still Christian Watson and not really movement. had not really yeah. evolved yet at that point when the Giants played them in London. So even the better teams with the better quarterbacks, they hadn't really kind of hit their mojo yet at that point, or, or, or didn't at all all year, to be honest with you. And another thing that helped the Giants out a little bit compared to this year is that Fabian Moreau was an experienced veteran. Yep. At least he had a clue as to what he was doing, and he wasn't like a deer in headlights. And all rookies, to some degree, are going to have a little bit of that in them. Look, corners are going to get beat. It. Rookie corners are going to get beat. It's just it's going to happen. Well, plus, exactly. he also had Julian Love too on the roster as well. So he helped out those guys, yeah. you know, a lot. Uh, even even uh, Nick McLeod, absolutely, you know, yeah. had had some experience in this league. Yeah, he was when a three he four year out. pro. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony Jefferson was on the roster too. I mean, you had a lot of experience. So so you know. These two young guys, yeah, you know, make your mistakes, but don't make them fatal mistakes. Well, here's the thing. To your point, Paul, if you give up those explosive plays down the field, that's going to put a lot more pressure on the run defense to clean it up. No doubt. So, for example, if you give up big bombs and teams get in the red zone, who do you think is going to have to now rely on making sure you hold the opponent to a field goal? Yeah. It's the big guys up front. That's why I was pinpointing the run defense yeah, because fair. I'm accounting for there could be ups and downs on the back end. I I understand that. Okay, yeah. next question. Lance, I'll go to you first on this one. Give me your breakout player for the Giants in 2023. Well, the guy that I think has to be the breakout player. Okay? Who will be I'll the breakout it. player? Well, I'll go with he will, okay. but he has to. Okay, wow. It's got to be Aziz Ojolari. It has to be. He has to be the breakout player, meaning he has to stay on the field. And he has to produce to the degree of you can rely on him each and every game. You know what you're getting out of him. It can't be Dexter Lawrence and question marks in terms of production. Or if you want to throw Leonard Williams in there too. Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, if this defense is to get to another height, especially in the pressure, the sack department, the quarterback hit, Aziz has to stay on the field. He has to have a breakout campaign. So to me, it starts and ends with Ojolari. Uh, my my selection's the same, so Paul will go right to you. Yeah, you know you know why I'm not going to go there? Because I think if Ojolari should go down, Isaiah Simmons could take that spot. And I think they could get a lot of the same production that they Sack-wise, were hoping though, for. Paul? As I, an everyday player on I every think, down player I on think the if, they, if they had to... What they could do is use a combination of Fox and Simmons or, or uh, Zimenez and Simmons. And I think given the fact that Ojolari has not put up big numbers in either of his first two seasons, I don't think it would be hard for a combination of guys by committee to get five sacks. Yeah, but his, or six sa- sacks. No, but his sacks per snap rate yeah. are incredible. Off and his ceiling, are incredible. Is higher. his ceiling is higher. I, absolutely. Too, so. I totally yeah. understand that. Uh, I just I I'm gonna believe it or not I'm gonna go with uh, with Pinnock. Okay, I like that because because I'm kind of concerned that the depth there is Belton as the third safety, but behind him is McCain. I I kind of want to keep Bobby McCain as the fourth safety. I I don't want him playing on a regular basis as the third safety in a three safety package. I like where it is with Pinnock as the two to McKinney and Belton as the three. So I think that Pinnock needs to prove that he can be an every-down starter for the season. I think for for a step up, he would be my guy. Okay, final question, and then we'll uh, do one quick thing on on, on the game, and then we'll get to your calls. 
Give me your pivotal player. The and, and maybe we've re- we probably already touched on the guys in the course of our conversation here. But what's the one guy that you think could turn this season for good or bad? Lance, why don't we start with you? Well, I'll go to the offensive side of the ball, not to be repetitive since no, I fine. named Aziz Ojolari. Mm-hmm. I said this all offseason. Now that he's off pup, Wandell Robinson. Because if we're going to talk about explosive plays, Wandell has the ability. This is not the deep ball guy, okay? We could sit here and talk about Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt. I'm talking about a guy who you make a 5 to 10-yard pass to and can then gain another 10 to 20 yards off of that catch. Mm -hmm. He's got that catch-and-run ability. If he stays healthy and does what he did against the Lions, that's when all of a sudden we get to the point of what you were talking about, an offense that can increase its scoring. And we're talking about they need to boost it by a good five to six points this season if they want to get into the status of Dallas and Philadelphia. Because, guys, we're talking about 21 and a half points last season. Right. Okay, You can't go out and score that and expect to win consistently. It just it doesn't work like that. Look at all of the offenses in the postseason last season. They were hovering in that 26 to 30 department. So do the math. Wondell Robinson factors into that. Paul, how about you? Yeah, for me, um, I understand that. And you could easily go with Hyatt as well. Sure. Because he could be a guy who could be a but huge X factor because ball. of those yeah. explosive plays. Yeah. I'm going to go with Waller. Because... And you, Paul, you took that. Go ahead. Well, we can agree. No, I know. That's oh. fine. No, I want to go ahead. Because I think, you know. We're all on the same page. It's just funny. We, Wall- talk, we talked about this for so long over the offseason. We're all lined up. I know. Well, Waller's had 2,000 yard seasons. I think he will be the Giants' leading receiver this year in terms of yardage. He will have over 1,000 yards and become the second tight end in Giants history to do so. Mark Bavaro is the only one who's ever done it. Shockey didn't do it. Bob Tucker didn't do it. Okay. Evan Ingram didn't do it. Okay. None of these guys did it. Bavaro was the only one. Waller's going to be the second Giants tight end to get 1,000 yards in a season. And to me, that just is the key. It's the spark. It's the firecracker that sets this explosive offense in motion. And what makes it pivotal is the fact that he's been hurt the last two years. Correct. So he needs to stay healthy. Yeah. And that's a huge part of this. If Darren Waller's out for a large period of time this year, I think any hope to Lance's point of getting the offense into that over 24 points per game type of range probably falls by the wayside. I think it's going to be very, very tough to do that. So, yes, him being great. Uh, I mentioned Evan Neal already, so I don't want to repeat myself on right. that. I think he's also extremely pivotal to how, how, how this season will go. And then, look, just I'll, I'll cycle it back to the two rookie corners then just to talk about a different group. You talked about him already, but and it doesn't have to be just one of them, all right? It's got to be both. You know, if one of them's good, you know what other teams are going to do? They're just going to attack the yeah. other one. You know, defense is very much a weak link-based system, right? The Achilles. Even if they hit on one or two of them, the te- uh, teams will find, and it does uh-huh. not take them long usually, they will find the weak link, and they will just endlessly target that player until you figure out a way to either mitigate his weaknesses or get his butt off the field. So you need both of those corners. Now, you don't need them both to be pro bowlers. You don't need them both to be all-stars or all pros or or even, you know, top half of the league corners, all right? But neither one of them can stink, all right? They and need to be, be reliable, really bad essentially. They yeah. need to be solid starting NFL corners. That look, they're all rookie corners going to give up plays. It happens, all right? It's going to happen. And you're going to get mad, but they can't be guys that you can get relentlessly targeted in these individual games. And I don't think they're going to be that, but they're rookie quarterbacks. So that is the last couple names I'll kind of throw in. If I may. No. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> One of the ways that you can help alleviate that is with a dynamite pass rush. And that's why I would probably throw Kayvon Thibodeau into that mix. I was surprised one of you guys didn't pick him, to be honest with you. Because if Thibodeau can become a consistent impact player, and we saw flashes of it last year, John, but only really in the second half of the season. You know, I guess it started with the Baltimore game when he caused that fumble yeah, that with Lamar out. Jackson. Yeah. That's where it started. Well, he's made some. He made some big plays at opportune times. He really did. The Washington game too. He had no the question. The safety, you know. Right? So so if he can become a consistent impact guy. I think that can also become a difference maker for this team, and it would do a lot 
for those corners because now you've got a nervous quarterback back there. All right, let's go to matchups now for Dallas, and then we'll get to your calls at 201-939-4513. All right, what's your one as we kind of kick off Dallas week here, and then we'll obviously get into this game a lot more over the next four days. We're all on various days doing Big, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Give me that one matchup or thing, whatever that one major thing is you're thinking about, Paul, this week heading into the game. Wow. Um, I think you could make a very strong case for the whole Adoree Jackson, um, C.D. Lamb thing because Adoree's going into the slot and Lamb is the most prolific, I think, Dallas Cowboys receiver in the room. Yeah, one of the best in the league, for sure. He's outstanding. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you could go there. I think that's too easy, though. I do. I think that's too easy. For me, I'm probably more concerned of Gallup going against Banks. Or Hawkins. Or Hawkins. Yeah, whoever. Yeah. I, See, I don't know if they're going to flip him or travel him or where they're going to go. I'm more worried about Cooks. I like where your mind is at, but my concern is Cooks. You because are. he has more speed than Gallup does. Yeah. And he's a savvier route runner. That's why I think the Giants will cheat against him. Oh, well, if the Giants put extra guys over I Cooks, think, then they, I that'll think, mitigate the I problem. I think they'll sure. cheat sometimes with their safety against Cooks because they're worried about his savvy. And his experience to manipulate a rookie corner. You don't think they're going to help on Lamb? I think they might trust Adoree to, to handle it. Remember, they put Adoree on Justin Jefferson last I year know. in the playoffs. But you watch that tape? <laughs> he was not alone. No, he was not. There, yeah. were, there were like no, two he was not. or three guys, depending on the play, that were Bradley that is true. Justin Jefferson. You only have so many guys, though. Well, well no. <laughs> That's why I asked you the question, though. You know, Wink is one of those guys, Lance, where he's not going to want to let that one, like, game breaker beat you. Yeah. And I wonder if he's going to, you know, try to help out on Lamb. And to, to, I, I think the wide receiver quarterback thing will be fascinating yeah. this week. Well, here. Lamb is probably the best athlete of the three in terms of what yeah. he could do and where he can line up. But Brandon Cooks, to me, he's the Amari Cooper replacement, who they never really had on the roster last season. He is the most polished route runner. And if you remember, when Amari was on the team— Dak always knew where he was. They had a really good rapport. Sure they did. So I think Cooks is going to be that insurance policy, security blanket, however you want to word it, for Dak, where in key moments, he's probably going to toss it up to Brandon Cooks, maybe more so than any of the other guys. And that's somebody that maybe when you least suspect could come up with a big play. Because Cooks, he could be the type of guy that could have eight catches for 80 yards, so he gets 10 yards per catch. And then he could be the same guy that has the 30-yard bomb. Oh, he's got a down long field. track record. Correct. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, he, but he could be a vertical threat, he, is my point. Yeah, he ran four. Yeah. People forget. I know it was a long time ago now. 4-3-3 three, three at yeah. the NFL Combine. That, that dude could run. Sure. And he hasn't let down in terms of no, the year fast. and the mileage that he has on the body. He reminds me of, like, remember, like, Ted Ginn? He kept playing. He was like 32. He still was running past everybody, except sure. I think he's a much, a more he's much accomplished better hand receiver. And sure. is a much, much more better player. Correct. Correct. 100%. Yeah. I was no, about age, no, you're talking about speed and age. How yeah. speed aged well in yeah. another player. It did. Yeah. It certainly yeah. did. And I don't want to mention the other guy that Giant fans know about. No, either, do not. Very we, well. just, we just <laughs> assume you leave that one yeah, alone. I did. Yeah. I, I didn't say the okay. name. Okay. <laughs> All right, Lance, how about you? Well, I think it comes back to the trenches. I mean, if you go back to the last two meetings last season, Dallas dominated the Giants in that area. I don't think it was a contest. So Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about, we've heard closing the gap left and right. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that phrase this offseason. And I I say it more than everybody. That's on me. No, I'm not calling you out. I'm talking to everybody (laughs) saying, right? Closing the gap. Closing the gap, okay? (laughs) Well, if you want to close the gap, how about we start in the trenches, guys? Right, you're right. How about the Giants go out and they prove that Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons don't become the disruptive forces that they were all of last season? Game wreckers. And I'm not talking about sacks. Just look at the quarterback hits. For the game last season. And the pressures. Yes, 100%. That's where the conversation starts because, guys, all the other facets that we're talking about, the explosive plays, the improvement in scoring, it all starts, and I don't need to convince you because you preach this, it all starts there, okay? So that's the matchup to watch. The tackles against those edge rushers, and I still think it's going to be decided on the interior because you know Dan Quinn's going to find ways to test John Michael Schmitz and the two guards. See, that's happening. That's why I almost think the more curious matchup isn't actually on the field. It's Dan Quinn against Schmitz. Schmitz that's is fair. calling out the protections. I, this rookie sure. center is yeah. calling out the protections against a defensive coordinator who's going to do everything he can to make Schmitz's life miserable. And managing all those interior twists and yes. stuff that they run. Yes. And the other thing I'll throw out there too, and I think oh, you guys are hitting, I agree with both of you on everything you just said. 
where do the Cowboys line up Micah Parsons? Everywhere. All over the place. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think, do we see him over Andrew Thomas more, or do we see him over Neil more? I think, you see, I, I said this on a, on a show I was just on uh, last night. If I'm Dan Quinn, I am going to make sure that not only am I flopping Parsons left and right, but I am stunting him almost every play. Yeah, because you don't want yeah. the Giants to be able to Bingo. account for him and double exactly. team him every play. Yeah, there, there, was a, there was a guy from the Bristol Network who had said the other day on a show. That would be ESPN. The Bristol Network? Yes. Correct. <laughs> the, I, was, I had no I idea. Work. I didn't want to give them free <laughs> you know, advertisement. You know, Lance, they, the had a, they had a very subtle Lance. rebranding over the weekend. Oh, absolutely. They are now yeah. dinning it, dinning it, the Bristol no, Network. No, actually, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. He's killing no, no, no. me for giving out wait, free wait. advertisement. They're, an, they're an NFL poker. Okay, okay. They're a household name. This, this is right. not like right. for headaches, okay? Fine. Medicine that we're Fine. trying to give out. But just so you know, part of the rebranding, they are actually located now Bristol, Tennessee. Okay? It's not oh. Bristol, Connecticut. No, that was part of the rebranding. Anyway, but go ahead. the yes. point that he yes. made was, oh, Evan Neal didn't have a good year last year. If I'm Dan Quinn, I take Michael Parsons and line him up on him all game long until he stops him. And I said, are you serious? No, I mean, I would do that a lot. That makes no sense. Now, in key spots, maybe that's where he's going to be. But if you keep him there the entire time, the Giants will find it too easy to scheme that. Oh, no, Paul. But did you not listen to the second? I wasn't even listening, and this annoying me. Did you not <laughs> listen to the second part of his sentence? Until they stop it. So you have him line up it over his, deal, It was his. Then a, when they stop it, no, then no. you move him. <laughs> It was his opinion. No, it was his opinion. He, oh, was, okay. ta- talking, he was talking like uh, hypothetically because he was trying to say that Neil can't stop him and that you should line him up on Neil all night long. And I, I think that's foolish. I mean, if I'm, if, if I'm Quinn, I'm going to have Parsons coming from each and every direction possible and mix that up to cause Schmitz to have headaches. If you put him over Neil every snap the entire night, the Giants will be able to scheme that. Well, you become predictable. Plus, I mean, also— It, it doesn't make any but, sense. But here's right. the thing. If you go based on last season, Dan Quinn moved Parsons around. I find it yeah, hard to absolutely. believe that he's not going to repeat that, mm-hmm. especially, right. to your point, I agree. against the rookie yeah. center. The, la- the last thing I'll bring up is how these teams are different from last year. Because I think we saw in the two games last year, even though the Giants were close early in those two games, once you got to the second half, there was some separation there between the two yeah. teams, right? You saw the Cowboys kind of pull away in those two games. You know— how does the new look on Giants on offense from a personnel perspective change things against what's probably going to be a top five defense in the NFL last year, this year in Dallas? And then the other part of this, while Dallas's personnel is the same, and Paul, this is the point you always make, and, and you're right about it, the Cowboys play caller is different. Now, I think the offense is going to be structured very similarly. They're saying it's about 75% the same, but it still matters. You know, what way do you call plays? Now, I know the Mike McCarthy quotes that they're going to be a much more run-heavy team from back in February have gotten a lot of traction. Yeah. But you go listen and read to a lot of their beat writers. I talk to people that cover the team down there. They actually think McCarthy, from an overall play percentage standpoint, is going to be pass-heavy more than run-heavy. Because if you go back to his time in Green Bay, they never ran the ball <laughs> in Green Bay. He was a pass-first guy. So they think more the comment was geared at when you have a big lead, you're going to run the ball more to try to you know, play that old-school football once you have a lead. I believe Dallas is actually going – if you look at last year, I think Dallas was top five in the league in terms of early down run rate on first down in the league last year. I think they're going to be a much higher pass-first team on offense this well, year, which will be interesting. Well, we because we're not there. We don't know exactly how Pollard feels right now. I mean, by all accounts, he's been going full in practice. Seems so. like it mm-hmm. from what we hear, but we haven't been there to watch him. Right. You know, we watch Barkley every day. And by the way, he didn't play any preseason snaps. And on the other side of that, he didn't take any days off. And by did the way, no, he, did, no. he didn't take a single yeah. veteran day off. No, nope. because the games ended up being. But remember, though, he did not do any of the team stuff on the second Detroit scrimmage. Day. That is true. He only did individual. That is true. That is true. But he held up is the point. No, he was fine. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Pollard's situation is, but, you know, at least if you're talking about trying to equate the two offenses last year's and this year's, yeah. uh, you you don't have Elliott there anymore, you know, and that was certainly a safety net, if you will. No, it was also their short yardage and goal. Yeah, no and question. he's a bigger he's bruiser than yeah. Tony Pollard, so, too. I mean, look, I'm not a McCarthy guy. Which is, by the way, another reason why I think they're going to pass him more, just because they don't have the, the horses well, back Yeah, there. and yeah. I, I agree with that. I'm not a McCarthy guy, but he'd be a fool not to be leaning a little bit more on the pass, given the fact that they don't have 
one A in their yeah, running back room. Hundred percent right. I'm with you on that. And then you know, I think it'll just be a matter to see how they manage that and and kind of how that runs and how different it looks. And you know, I think they they seem to indicate they're going to try to push it down the field more. And I'm sorry, as you haven't mentioned this yet, you know, Dallas didn't play any of their starters in the preseason. I think no. you'd be all over that, Paul. You uh, love you, you. Usually, think it's a pretty big deal. You know why? Because a lot of teams. Uh, limit their starters yeah. to maybe five or six snaps yep. or none anyway. I got you. Yeah, then you got the, the the Chiefs and the Steelers who insist that those guys play. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, look, Joe Burrow know. didn't play also mm-hmm. during the course no, of the preseason. Not. Well, so, that was injury-related yeah. more than no, anything but else, No, right? the point is yeah, that's gone have. on, though, for every single right. one of his seasons, too, and the Bengals have been pretty good. So I don't know how much there is to read into that. Could there be some rust in the early stages of the game? Absolutely. And Dallas's home op- Dallas's opener record is actually really poor over the last ten years, except yeah. when they played the Giants. Yeah, which is, well, I was yeah. just going <laughs> to add that, John. That, that is the only. Thanks for putting that. That, in that there. is the only team they have beat in their opening weekend. Last yeah. year they lost to the Bucks what nineteen to six or yeah. Barely yeah. Well, that was the game. Also, Dak got hurt too. Remember with the or was that? I think two years ago. When did he? The hand he... injury. No, that was last yeah, year. Was, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to yeah, think when. I'm, no, I'm trying to yeah. think when in the game he got. I want to say maybe third quarter i thought it was late I don't and maybe, maybe it was later than that anyway, okay but it was the game he yes. definitely did get hurt with respect to that contest i will say this i find it hard to believe when they add brandon cooks and you have three really strong receivers that mike mccarthy is going to say we're going to take the ball right. out of Dak prescott's yeah, head. No, okay so sense. i think everybody read into that and you don't think mike mccarthy was trying to play some mind games to see whether or not people will overthink things come on you're also his first rodeo you're giving him too much credit you're 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 also trying to generate reasons why you let go of an offensive coordinator that helped absolutely that too who by the way was on the who was on the coaching market for about 35 seconds before he signed the contract with the chargers well because the chargers know that they've had their own fair share of issues so that's why they decided but i also would not overlook by the way brian schonenheimer who's not a guy that gets a lot of credit. He was actually with Russell Wilson in Seattle not too long ago when they jumped out of the gates, and that Seahawks offense was Mm -hmm. passing it like crazy. Now, all of a sudden, the second half was not the same thing. Okay, it tailed off. (laughs) But the point is, I'd be curious what he brings to the table this season as a new voice, too. Both those guys are from old-school West Coast offense coaching trees, right? So are we going to see true. more of those old-school West Coast principles and maybe some of the stuff killing more, right? I think that'll be interesting yeah. to see if that happens. All right, folks, go subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast. It features long-form interviews, former and current Giants. We got a couple ones up there now. Paul with uh, David Tyree last week is up there. We did our beat report, a roundtable last Friday. Paul Schwartz, uh, Tom Rock, um, and Art Stapleton and I kind of did a Giants preview. And then I'm not sure if it's up yet, but former NFL executive uh, Michael Lombardi has a new book. Uh, Michael Lombardi, he joined me on the Giants on the podcast. That should be going up today. So go check that out on Giants.com slash podcast, your favorite podcast platform, or at uh, your uh, Giants.com slash podcast. Check it out. And later in the week, uh, we're having on tape. Lance is going to talk to Devin McCourty, who's covering the game this Sunday for uh, NBC. So make sure you go check that out later in the week. Huddle is going to be five days a week during the series season. I'm not going to let Pearson leave. He's just going to be posting podcasts <laughs> 24 hours a day. So we appreciate his yeoman's work on that. Uh, but make sure you check out the Giants Huddle podcast throughout the season. All right, let's get to your calls. Talk Giants, talk Cowboys, talk bold predictions, whatever you want to do. Right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live at 201-939-4513. Let's go to Cliff in New York. He will lead us off. Hi, Cliff. Hey, guys. Thanks for everything. Uh, it's going to take all week to go over what you just said, you know. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yeah. The, the, um, Try to condense it for me, the, Cliff, okay? <laughs> yeah. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I don't mean me right now. I mean all the shows no, I all week. I, yeah. I mean, you, you really got it all, all uh, covered there. Um, with the offensive line, uh, well, before I get to that um, – uh, going back to the press conference with, with Dable and Shane a few days ago, uh, everybody's looking for them to say, oh, we're going to be great this year, and of course they don't bite on that. But they, but they do say they need to see how they respond to adversity. So I'm here to say I like our chances, and adversity is defined by falling behind during the game, mostly. Um, so um, I, I'm thinking I don't see why we should be worse than last year at responding to adversity like we did in the opener and against Green Bay especially. Uh, I, don't, I think we sh- the, with, with, the, uh, with the maturity of, of the team to this point, the guys that have, the, that have really established themselves and, and the, the guys from the previous regime that have really established themselves, um, the, the rookie, he must be referring to the rookies. How are they going to respond? Well, and I Cliff, just can't sure. imagine. I want to add to that a little bit because I don't mean to interrupt you and you can finish. 
I think there are two different types of adversity, right? You have adversity within a game. And to that, your yep. point, 100% correct. The Giants dealt with that well last year. They got behind in these games. They came back, had a lot of comeback wins. Agree with you 100%. But I do think there's kind of bigger picture adversity. And even though the Giants did go through a little bit of a rough stretch in the second half of the year, remember, they started the year, was it 5-1 or 6-1 mm-hmm. last year? 5-1, right? They yep. started the year 5-1. and one. So they never stared 2-4 and four in the mirror. Right, no. where everyone's oh. burying them. Like yeah. they, they never faced that. They were always, oh yeah, either in the playoffs or on the verge of being mathematically in the playoffs. They were, they were never like you know in the standings looking up like, oh man, we just lost four out of six, and you know we got to make up. Never three had to play games. catch up, right. In terms of the standings, yeah. right. So I think, they were ahead of the pack, not so, behind it. Correct. So I think maybe that, right. especially with a rough early season schedule, I think maybe that's the type of adversity you want to see. The coaching staff, the players handle in terms of when things start building. Remember, nobody's paying attention to the New York baseball teams right now. All people are going to be watching the Jets and the Giants to start this year. Mm-hmm. So if things don't start well, people are going to start piling, right? Oh, you shouldn't yep. give Daniel Jones that contract. Oh, Brian Dable, one year, one right. year wonder. He was just like McAdoo. Now the second year's batting. You know, all oh, those dopey Barkley things. Too. Oh, Saquon, yeah, right, yeah. all that stuff. 100%. No, I was thinking so, the same thing. Right. Remember, they also they only that. lost two two games in a row once last yeah, season too. Right. I mean, that wow. spells it all out. I forgot that. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing that the haters will come out in droves at the drop of a hat early in the season. It's I have New no York, doubt man. Every team Sweet deals is. with it. It's just the way it goes. And that's exactly why they were so high on Daniel Jones because they thought that yeah, he's he like could Eli. handle his pressure cooker. Yeah, he's like that's Eli. right. You know. Yeah. And, and that That's was right. a big part of it. People must understand when they evaluate a quarterback on a particular team yep. and they look at his performance, yes, yeah, stats are great. I understand that. But you have to look at the big picture, too, and understand what is his stature in the locker room, his leadership skills, his ability to avoid the kind of stuff that the adversity can set fire to. And, and Eli was always great at that. Even all the years when the Giants did not win many games and Eli was taking a beating, he was always able to quell the adversity and, and to quell the fires as much as possible. And that's a big deal in this town. That's right. They did not run Daniel out of town, and they could have in the first couple of years easily, and he, did, he didn't melt at all. And, and uh, the time that I really thought he, he showed me that he was really here was in the loss in the third game last year when we were out of the game, and I just thought he showed tremendous leadership and determination in that game that had nothing to do with how many passes he completed. He just wasn't giving, a, giving them an inch or giving up at all, and I'm sure his teammates noticed that. You know, uh, not, yeah, not to take, real quickly, not to take anything away from Daniel last season, but I think it should also not be overlooked how much the defense helped the offense's cause last season, too. And I think that's why they dealt with adversity very well. Because, you know, I'm bringing up the schedule. I'm just recalling the Chicago game. You had the muff punt by the Bears. So special teams came through. Green Bay, you had that defensive stand at the end of the game on Aaron Rodgers. Baltimore, the Kayvon Thibodeau strip sack. Mm -hmm. And the interception, what, Julian Love Mm -hmm. came through Mm -hmm. with that? Okay. And then Jacksonville, right at the end. So, I mean, I named four straight games where we're not talking about an offensive play. We're talking about defense or special teams yeah, and, helping deal with that. And to a larger point, Lance, the, the defense, even when the offense, and look, we talked about the slow starts last year. Mike Kafka's talked about the slow starts last year. Yep. The Giants didn't score a lot of points in the first quarter. The defense never let any of those games get out of hand. It was never 17 nothing, right? No. It was only 7 nothing or sure. 10 nothing. So I right. think Lance would make a great point. The defense kept them in a lot of those games. Yep. Right, and I don't see any reason why they should be less effective this year. Well, it should be a better defense. They'll be more effective. Better competition, They should even though, too. be better. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and especially against the run, and I think that's where Dak uh, had a nice break uh, in the second Dallas game last year. Uh, they killed us uh, running up the middle in that game. That was one of the games where it was most evident, if I recall right. Yeah. And I do think they're going to miss Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I know they think they've got some kind of big bruiser back there. I don't care who it is. Uh, and Pollard is a Not great really. talent. I but, but, oh, good. Well, Pollard is a great talent, but I always thought his success had everything to do with Zeke being back there. And, and um, uh, I also thought going into last season that 
I really liked Wink's chances against Dak for some reason. I mean, I had a lot of respect for Dak. He's a very accomplished guy, but I just thought that Wink should really be able to do something against him, and this will be the time that we find out, because I, I, if he, they can run the ball like they did last year, we're toast. I just don't think it, it should happen. There's, it's no way that should happen. We're much stronger up the middle uh, against the run. And um, right, with well, the offensive line... Yeah, hurry up. Uh, one other, yep. Yeah, one other thing. Uh, uh, with the offensive line, I'll leave you with this question. Uh, with with Waller on the field, uh, first of all, I hope that's who Micah Parsons decides to pay attention to. Number one, nah, he won't. <laughs> his he won't, his huh? eyes will be <laughs> on the backfield, not on the guys leaving the backfield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Much like well, Isaiah Simmons, his best attribute is is pressuring the quarterback. Okay, well then the question is, I'll leave you with this. Um, would, would Waller's presence make it possible for Bellinger to do a lot more as a blocker? And I'll leave you with that. Yes. I think that's fair. Busy. Yeah. When they go double tight end, yes. How much will they go double tight end in this game? That's a really good question. Well, it depends on how they handle the offensive line, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's going to dictate it all. If the offensive line can't handle those guys, then you're going to be turning to Bellinger as an additional offensive lineman, especially if you don't want to leave Waller back there. Yeah. Because if you have to leave Waller back there, you're taking an additional offensive weapon out of the equation. That defeats the purpose yeah, of having him on the field. That's the one way to hinder the potential explosiveness of the Giants wide receiving core. Because they're not going to be able to go two by two or, or you know, just limit with, with one tight end. If you're able to take advantage of the offensive line, now they're going to have to use more double tight ends and more runs. And that will inhibit some of the explosiveness that they believe they've added. You know, Cliff brought up uh, doing well against Dak. I'll just give you his against the blitz numbers just because Wink blitzes so much. I figure that's the best I can do for you here. Uh, last year against the blitz, 92 of 138. That's around 66% completion percentage, 998 passing yards, five touchdowns, uh, four picks, and he was sacked 11 times against the blitz. So. That's what his numbers were against the Blitz last year, which is not that really far out of line with the rest of his regular season. Yeah. So. And he also only had one outing last season because Cooper Rush yep. started the first game. So Correct. we still have a very small sample size in terms of Wink's Giants defense faring against Dak Prescott. Correct. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Wilson and Roxbury. Hi, Wilson. Hey, guys. Happy. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed your Labor Day uh, weekend. And I know you're working today, but anyway. <laughs> Let's keep up that enjoyment with this phone call, Wilson. What's going on? Uh, well, uh, I don't know about that, but okay. Here we go. Hey, listen. All right. First thing, I got two things on the game, and one quick thing. And uh, this cause this is to Paulie mostly because I have a little. I think Paulie was a little, little rough last last week on a caller uh, that uh, was talking about Matt Pert. Uh, right after the Jets game, and Paulie mm-hmm. went crazy and saying, "Oh God, you guys, you got you fans, you guys don't see practice, blah." And, uh, and Paulie, you're right, we don't see practice, but you know what we do see, man? We do see the games, and the fans like myself don't practice good. Just play good on Sunday, because when Joe Judge was here, on top of him being a horrible head coach, you know what we heard all the time? Oh God, the Giants were the best practicing team in the NFL, and they do an embarrassment on Sunday. So. Paulie, don't get upset when we when we just we see on Sundays, and if we see that you you're a bad player on Sunday, I don't want to hear that you practice good during the week. I think just, I just, think it's fair to say Joe Judge was giving you some coach speak when he was talking those ways. And, and by the way, it wasn't just Judge. You go was, back to Shermer, no, McAdoo, and yeah. Coughlin. They would say the same stuff. Yeah, and and, right, and, right. and if you and if you watched all of Pert's snaps, yes, he had trouble in pass protection against the Jets. It was it was rough. But he was good in the first two games. First two games, he was good, especially against Detroit. And his run blocking against the Jets was also good. So to be fair, no, no, to be fair, you have to be fair and and try to measure both sides of the coin. And both sides of the coin said, how many snaps did he do well? How many snaps did he not do well? And there is still a significant number of good snaps there. And the way people were talking about him and the way that caller talked about him you would you would think that he was an XFL tackle who never had one good snap in any game. Honestly, no, no, I, 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 Paulie, listen, I was just I wasn't talking about Matt. I just put brought out Matt Purr because that was the name. I, I'm talking about players in general, fans. We want listen, fans. Don't, listen, man, I don't want to hear that you play, that you practice good. I don't want. We don't want to oh, hear Wilson, that. Of course, yeah. of course, no, but Wilson, okay, no, Wilson, that, you're, that, you're, that, you're that a thousand percent right. right. The only yeah. reason we bring that up was, practice 
in right. the only reason we bring up practice at this time of year is because right, that's right. how the coaches are building the 53-man roster. Once right. you get into the yeah. regular I season, I, I, I don't care what this guy does on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Absolutely. Well, also, right. we're not going to be out at practice, too, come that, the regular season. That's, that's right. We're right. not going to be right. able to give a that's practice the, report. The, yeah. the month or so of training camp, the you okay. know that's the only body of work that we can speak about right now because I, that's all there is. Especially when these guys that, play so few snaps in games. Exactly. That, I am, so so, I, I, so my ire was specifically directed at the pert <laughs> negativity. Okay. That's all. Okay. All right, Paulie. All right. And listen, and on the game, I called like two months ago and I said this was the most important game of the season. And Lance went crazy on me. Paulie, you went crazy on me. I, all you guys did. Even I think Howard went crazy on me. And I want to say something. On that show? He probably oh, called in at five day. different oh, points to bring up the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Come exactly. on. You know his routine. So, yeah, listen, yeah. listen. No, no. Pearson went nuts off camera, too, by the way. I, I, listen, you know what reality is? This is reality. The reality is that we haven't beaten that Prescott since he was a rookie. Sure, 2016. And, okay, right. And I don't want to, and, and fans don't want to hear, well, we, we closed the gap and, 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 and we're resilient. No, man. Because you know what happened? If they lose this game and they, they lose it bad, they're going to be last off the field by the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to say, yeah, you guys closed the gap. They're going to be, at the, the next morning, Everybody's going to take same old Giants, please, blah, 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 well, blah. See, Wilson, and, 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 here you go what? again with the media reaction. The media but, reaction doesn't dictate uh, wins and losses in the I NFL. Or okay? the fan reaction. For yeah, that they settle it on the field. So it doesn't okay. matter to your point, Wilson. I'll let you continue okay. with your whole dissertation. Okay. Promise. Okay. And listeners are dying to hear. Okay? <laughs> the bottom line is, okay, you're taking what you hear on Sports Talk Radio the I'm, next day, and you're overwhelmed and worried by that. And you I'm don't – you have, Yeah, but you, you have to understand – most of the players, okay, some of the young guys may listen, may go on Twitter, they may see it. I think most of the polished veterans, it goes in right. one ear and it goes out the other, and they focus on the next game. And there are, I really don't think it matters. And there are 16 yeah. other games very on confident the schedule that. that count yeah. the same in the standings. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Hold on. Joe Shane brought this up, and I thought this was an excellent point. The Giants, and I'm not excusing this. I'm not saying that they can afford to lose, but they went 1-4-1 and in the division last season, and they still made yeah. the playoffs. So that's further of a reason why, even though we sit here and emphasize division this, division that, there's 11 games that have nothing to do with the division. And if you I don't handle your business there, you know, that right. could backfire on you as much as the divisional play. I understand that, Lance. Lance, listen, I've been to a Giants-Cowboys game when we sucked. Okay, it, it, it's the most, it's horrible. They, they, 60% were, were, were Cowboys fans on the game. And they tell us, they tell us in your face, you guys suck. You guys haven't played, you haven't beat us in God knows how long. It, it, I, can't, I, I cannot believe that, that players, players, they don't let, they, they don't, this doesn't bother players. It's hard for me to believe that, Lance. What can I tell you? Maybe I'm well, wrong. That's fine. Wrong. Thank but, you, Wilson. Yeah, Appreciate I, the call, bud. I, I just, I don't think that there are players that have the Bristol Network on 24-7, <laughs> okay? And there's just in the cafeteria. I mean, well, listen, we're in the cafeteria. There's TVs. Do you guys see the players staring up and watching the TV left and right? No, no. The volume's also off, but yes. Okay, yeah. no, but I mean, they have every right to look at the sure, bottom line absolutely. and this and that. I don't no. see that happening on a consistent and look, basis. here's the thing. And look, I, Wilson makes a point. If you come out and you beat Dallas in week one, it is a bit of a statement victory. I think that is fair to say. But I will say this too, and this is and this is me being consistent, folks. No matter what happens in Week One, this is why I hate the Giants and Cowboys or any division rivals playing in Week One. Weird things happen in Week One. Yes. Yeah. Every year, you go look at Week One. You'll find one or two games where the results don't make a lick of sense no. based on what happened the rest of the year. So we could have. The Giants come out and blow Dallas out on week one. We could have Dallas come out and blow out the Giants in week one. It's not going to matter in terms of – I shouldn't say that. It matters. But it's not necessarily going to dictate what the rest of the season yeah. looks like for both teams because in week one, God help me, I'm making <laughs> the point here with Paul, you're still figuring things out the first few weeks of the year. So, yes, important. Division game important. Showing – this one's for Lance. You close the gap. Important. <laughs> but it is not. Give him a nickel. Look, Give him a nickel. If the Giants lose to Dallas in week one, but they come back and they beat Arizona, they win in San Francisco, and then they beat 
Miami, then they, and right? then they win two out of the next three and against Seattle. Seattle, Miami, and Buffalo, yeah. and they're four and two through six games. You'll take it. I'm not going to care about that first game against Dallas because you went and beat San Francisco. You went and beat either Buffalo or Miami. You beat Seattle, and I'm going to feel good about those games because those are also really good teams that you're competing for playoff spots with. The, the one way that Wilson is accurate, the atmosphere between the fans and the media will definitely feel tainted if they lose opening night at home in prime time Especially to the Especially if it's an uncompetitive loss. No question. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. If they beat Dallas, the atmosphere will have a little extra sugar and sweetness to it. Yeah, for sure. That's a fact. Atmosphere, yes. There's no doubt. And this the whole game will have a, watching Sunday Night Football. This game will have a stuff. big impact on the atmosphere and the perception of the Giants. But it won't have anything to do with the guys in that locker room. Great point. I'll just give you a few examples from week one last season. I brought up the scoreboard. Oh, good. I'm sure there's some wild ones in there. Bears beat the Niners 19 to 10. Okay. <laughs> did they really? So, Bingo. Yeah. You, it yeah, didn't I, have to look far. Well, that's what I'm saying. Over. That's yeah. it. No, no. Now, Proof. In fairness, I believe the weather was awful in Chicago. I think like the field was soaking that might wet. Might have been a monsoon. Yeah. Once again, still. I'm not making excuses, but still, still. they beat them 19-10. I remember, I know this is a divisional game, so this is not as good of an example, but the Bengals were a better team than the Steelers last season, right? Pittsburgh did beat Cincinnati and Joe. Burrow turned the ball over five times That's in that game. No, and then the Bengals went on. And I'll go back to the example that we talked about. The Cowboys lost to the Bucks 19-3. to They only scored mm-hmm. three points. Oh, it was and three? Look at, I think yeah. they scored six. Well, and look three. at what happened to Dallas yeah, the rest of the season. So, you know, it's another reason why, yeah. yeah, to your point, I agree. Emotions from the fan base, the media, that's great. But we got a long marathon ahead of ourselves. And it doesn't get dictated by that one contest. And I think win last or loss, season, three examples way. spell that out. Because after a win, you know, people are going to come out of here predicting Super Bowl Monday, and we're going to oh, try sure. to pump the brakes on that yeah. the same way if the Giants lose. And people are like, oh, my God, they're not going to finish in last place. We're going to pump the brakes on you there, too. Maybe even more to the point, and this goes even all the way back, I mean, many, many, many years, goes back to Dan Reeves and then Jim Fossil and all those other guys. Parcells didn't do it so much. This is why coaches will always say we break the season into quarters. Right. right? They yeah. know because one game does not make or break a season. But if they break it into quarters, they can psychologically talk to their players and say, okay, fellas, take a breath. We've played a month of games. We've played four games. We doggy paddled. Or maybe we came out on top. Or maybe we came out on the bottom. All right, let's take off another small chunk of the next four games and let's see how we can do with those. There's a reason why coaches always talk about hey, that. Hey, look, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm going to be – if we get to September 22nd, I think it is, and the Giants beat either Dallas or San Francisco in week one or week three, that that's to me good. is a success. That's good. Because that means you probably – and again, I, don't, I hate to do this because every game's competitive. I'm going to try to sell them as an opponent in week two, so I know what I'm doing here. But <laughs> you're probably not going to lose to Arizona. So if you could figure out a way to beat uh, Dallas, no, I could do that. Yeah, if you could figure out a way to beat Dallas or San Francisco, that means your first three games are probably going to go pretty well if you can win one of those two games. Yeah, you, you know it's interesting, and I will never take a game for granted. But Arizona's in a rough position. I mean, There's no doubt about it. Clayton Tunes going to be their starting quarterback in well, that game, probably. Well, it, who it, knows? It could, it could be Joshua Dobbs. Dobbs. Yeah, yeah, you know, don't sell Dobbs. low on Joshua Dobbs here. You know, Woo. perhaps. But I, I guess the more and more I think about it, I would say. I'd probably want the Cardinals game on Thursday as opposed to Sunday. I'd rather take my chances right. on a short week. And I know they're staying out on the West Coast. No, you're 100% is, right. I'd rather get that team with yeah. all its question marks on the short week mm-hmm. as opposed to the Niners. That's the dangerous Who's setup. Who's San Fran though. playing? Who are they week playing two. leading into yeah, that? Look that up. Well, they have, I know they have Pittsburgh to open up the season. Let me see. I'll bring up the schedule. They're they the Rams. Home? The Rams. They're on the road in L.A. In but they're LA. not that far. Not they're not that far. Yeah. It's not a road trip. Yeah, that's no. the thing. Yeah. And, the, and the 49ers, they're so so physical, too. Sure. They're going to beat the hell out of you in that game, too. Yeah, well, that's that. why you want yeah. them also Correct. on that situation. Well, at least you yeah. get a little bit of a more of a rest period after the Correct. game now on the Thursday. But yeah. still. Well, one what other want. thing real quick that I just want to throw out. Mm-hmm. I just want to use college football as an example to make the point about you can't get too high. You can't get too low after one game. I think that's occurring right now with Colorado, Colorado. and yeah. Deion Sanders. Yeah. Right. Is it not? Right? That was a hell of a huge game, by win. the way. Great no, win. No, huge win, but they didn't win the championship. So let's calm down and let's see more and let's see how this season Yeah, because progresses. maybe we get to it and maybe TCU ends up not being very good. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just I know they're a top 25 team or whatever. Three yeah, but, but rankings they, mean nothing. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. exactly. And they're right. 17th and they lost Max Duggan, their starting quarterback right. last season. Right. 
So. All right, folks, go run or walk with Giants Legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K race and kids run presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th at 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative T-shirt after the race day for a post-race festival with appearances by Giants Legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. In the same way, wait, folks, you want tickets? Season tickets, single-game tickets, we'll go to Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. For a season ticket membership, you stay connected to the club all year round. You get a lot of extra bonuses. And then single-game tickets, there are tickets available, folks, so go find them. Uh, they might be scarce for Sunday night, but you can go check it out and do your best. Giants.com slash tickets. And finally, the Giants official connected TV streaming app. Giants TV brings original video content, game highlights on demand, and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right, let's try to squeeze in two more before we go here. Uh, let's go to Dave in Cranford. He'll be up first. Dave, what's going on, man? Hey, John, I got your second check, and it bounced just like the first one, bro. So I just want to let you know. Sorry. You know, I send you know, bad so. checks, Dave. What can I tell you? I know, that one cent, you know, for all my love for, you know, BBKL <laughs> and all you do, like, you know, that one cent check. It just, I never, it never goes through. All right, so in all seriousness, um... You know, always a shout out to to the work that the three of you guys do, the rest of your teammates, everybody. Like it's just unbelievable. But Thank um, second second thing is is um, you know the thing that I look at going into this game, you know, um, is the ability for our coaches to have the time that they've had to scheme and and plan for this game as well as the season. And when and and I look back on last year and. You know, if you really take the time, which I do, I've watched every game three or four times, all 22, all the fun stuff. Um, you know, they change their scheme multiple times with, you know, from week to week, particularly their running scheme. I mean, it was it was very diverse during the season, but also their passing scheme, particularly towards the end of the year. Sure. Very, very different. Um, and they did that on short weeks, you know, as a result of what was working, what wasn't working. So going into this game, I might be crazy, but I have very high hopes that they are going to be um, – the, the, and, and I actually think about this as for the whole season. I think the Giants have a scheme advantage and a coaching advantage over most of their opponents. You know, I think Miami's got, you know, a good coaching staff between Fangio and, and the Fangio, head coach. Yeah. Um, Fangio, I, I think, I think uh, obviously the 49ers. There, there's, there's some guys that I think – match up with them or you know um but i think there's many times where this coaching staff from a scheme standpoint is going to put the giants in an advantage to win and i think that's going to be the difference um you know w you know to, to their success so love you guys know you got more callers just wanted to say that and get your input Thank you, Dave. Appreciate John, real quick, yeah. I, I want to piggyback off of that no, because not only is that something that I do believe as well, and I've been telling people a lot of that off the air, but I think it goes back to that adversity point that you brought up earlier. I know that the Giants did not lose more than two games in a row last season, and that's obviously a blessing for any rookie head coach to have. But I truly believe that this coaching staff is very much equipped and the locker room follows their leaders I think these guys are very, very um, knowledgeable, very smart, very uh, respectful of the professionalism that they have garnered in that room. And I think they're able to fight off a lot of that adversity because it comes from the top. I really believe that. Now, we won't know until, God forbid, they lose three games in a row. Then we'll really know because they'll be tested. My suspicion is that this locker room would not crumble under that situation because this staff won't let it. That's just a, a suspicion, a gut feel. I think that's fair, and I'll just say this too. Remember, the opponent also has all that extra time to scheme too. And yeah. I know we've talked about Mike McCarthy a lot on this show. He still does know how to win regular season games. His playoff success has been the spotty at best. But he does know how to win regular season games, and Dan Quinn is one of the best oh, game yeah. planners on the defensive side of the ball For, in football. So. To that point, though, this division is not only very tough, but they play the AFC East, 
which means throughout the season, it's a higher caliber of opponent. Yeah, you're right. So I think that McCarthy's going to be playing a lot more playoff caliber teams. And closer games with the time management factor. Much, much more so than he no. did for many years in Green Bay. That's a good point, too. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, everybody in the NFC East is going to have to up the ante because they're all getting the mm-hmm. AFC East. I mean, that's an even playing field from that standpoint. Same with the AFC mm-hmm. East. But yeah. They're getting the NFC mm-hmm. East. Same Correct, deal. exactly. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. I mean, the other thing to take into consideration, and I do think it's a fair point that the Giants did evolve and you know they didn't show the same colors every single game, but in fairness, there's a lot more film on the Giants now entering this yeah, year that's true than too. there was at this time last year. And you wonder, sure. is, is that why they managed to out-scheme so many people? Because nobody knew a Wink Martindale Giants defense. Nobody knew a Dable and Kafka Giants offense. Is that they offense. were able to do that towards the end of the year, too. So sure. that, that yeah. is a positive, for yeah. sure. No, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, once again, I just think that's something to take into consideration. Yeah. And also, remember, they happened to play the Vikings, the team they beat in the playoffs, in a very close proximity to the regular season game. Yeah. So there was a lot of familiarity to aid in preparing for the second go-around, too. Yeah, and while they closed yeah. the season strong, their second-half record was a dip as opposed to the first half. But they, again, they closed the season strong with the Vikings yeah. and the Colts. So, 201-939-4513. Not so much with Philadelphia. Oh, Lance, I know you're heartbroken. We have to squeeze in Charlie in Portland, Maine for a really quick call here. But we don't have to and he's squeeze not, in. You choose to Nobody's squeeze, not going to have much yeah. time to make all his points. It's okay. too bad. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Hey, three amigos, how you doing? Hi, bien. <laughs> Hola. Hey, look, look, I got a couple things. I'll try to make it quick. Sure. One thing, uh, Brian is a little uh, heckle and jive. Not heckle, but he's heckle and jive. Yeah, Doctor Heckle and Jide, man. I remember Doctor Heckle and Mister Jive. All those programs, man. Doctor Heckle and Mister Jive. Yeah. I love. That'd be a good cartoon, actually. Oh, tremendous! Yeah. I don't know what channel it aired on, but I'll. Charlie, Try to find you, it you, 20 minutes, you had 20 minutes to get that right while yeah. you were on hold. He could have Googled it. He could have practiced it, Pearson, during the week. Wow. And he just Jekyll fumbled Jekyll and Hyde. He's a little Jekyll and Hyde. You see him on the sideline. He freaks out. And so, look, if we if we lose three games in a row, that guy's not going to be calm on the sideline. So, I don't know what you're thinking, John, but I think he's going to be a little Me? upset. While you were saying that he's. You know, he's level-headed, or somebody was saying. I, like, I was talking was... about his ability and his oh, staff's okay. ability to handle adversity. It's a, predict- a prediction. I don't know because they haven't had to lose three games in a row yet. But that's my well, good all feel. I'm saying, all I'm saying, he's a little, uh, you know, like he's a Jekyll and a Hyde. Let me yeah, ask you a question. Okay. No, no, let me ask you sure. one question before before yep. you go on. Did you ever see Bill yep. Parcells on the sidelines? Did you ever see Tom yes, Coughlin did. on the sidelines? Yeah, they Did the they ever <laughs> yell and get into it with their players and their officials? In fact, yeah. most most coaches are that oh, way. Yeah. Okay, it's so emotional you, game. you want to put a black mark on Brian Dable because he gets emotional on the sidelines, but it's okay for guys who won Super Bowls to no, do no, it. No, 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 no. All I'm saying, all I was saying. No, is, I know what you said, and I, I yeah, heard, right, right. I heard it. I'm just look. The thing is, is like. I don't, you know, when you guys bring up haters, you know, like just because somebody sees something different, well, it's kind of like, well, I don't, no, when do I say haters? Call, I don't say haters. Not you, what's, John. What's the last, different? The last, call, the last caller talked about all the haters are going to call up if we lose that game. They're not haters, okay? Look, you have two sides of a coin, all right? There's always two sides of the coin. Even if you put the same picture on both sides, there's two sides to the coin. And all those people are doing is bringing up the other side of the coin, which some people do never want to bring up. So that's all I'm saying. They're not haters. They're just bringing up the other side of the coin of looking at the New York Giants. Charlie, here's where you're right. That's fine. That's fair. Nobody ever played a perfect game. That doesn't exist. Okay. Oh, no. Baseball. So there will always be. Go ahead, yes. Okay. Very good. Well, Very I good. Just, you know, listen. Very good. In football. Okay. No yes. one's ever played Neither a perfect game. Michael so you Schwartz, are correct. Win or lose. Head coaches will always find ways to nitpick and find things that they need to fix the following week. So that's true. And if you want to be that guy who always finds something wrong, even if the Giants win 56 to nothing, you go right ahead and do that because that's the way you are. And and Charlie, here's the thing with the emotional side of things. In, In defense of what Paul was saying with respect to Brian Dable, Tom Brady, okay, throws things all the time on the sideline. He has, okay. he, he has gone through more of those tablets. And, and the last time I checked, Belichick broke he, a tablet still, on the bench. Yeah. You know, Steve Kerr, during the Golden State Warriors runs, would take a clipboard and just 
bended himself in half because he was so frustrated. Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy have had some run-ins on the sideline. So we're talking about some of the most accomplished athletes and coaches in sports history, you not should, just football. You should see what Pearson does when we go past 130. He's already. <laughs> we're beyond it already. Thank goodness he's not on camera right now. He's pulling I mean, his hair out as we speak. I'm actually surprised we're still on air. The buttons on the mixer are uh, half broken. Go ahead, Charlie. Yeah. What else do you have? Uh, well, that's it. I, I Look, we should beat them. There should be no doubt about it. But if we don't, this is a big game because we're not playing the uh, – AFC South this year, so we're not going to be able to make it up. Hey, Charlie, thank you very much for the call. All the games are important. We say that all the time. Every game matters. Before we say goodbye, I'm going to give Lance one more second. You actually didn't bring up Deuce Vaughn today. I'm a little crushed. Well, with respect to the running backs? Yeah. Well, the only thing that was brought up with respect to the backfield is, and I would agree, I I think they don't necessarily have a big bruiser on the roster. So that remains to be seen. Sub-5-7ers. 5-5, yeah, 180. I think, no, listen... Good talent, but, you know, we don't know what to operate with respect to what he's going to bring to the table because he no. hasn't played an NFL game. Listen, I'm going to be fair to every team. I I was, I'm not going to give the benefit just, of the doubt to anyone. Give oh, no, no, I wasn't there. To, to yeah. rep the little guys, Lance. Well, That's all sure, I'm trying to absolutely. do for you. You know, but remember, after Trinton Holiday didn't work out, we're a little cautious <laughs> oh, okay. in that department. Okay, I see. Well, listen, here's the good yet. news. Deuce Vaughn, it doesn't seem like he's dealing with a nagging hamstring injury. So as long as you don't deal with a nagging hamstring <laughs> wow. injury. Well, what? That was Trinden Holiday's issue. Yes, I know. Right? I, mean, I know. We talked about him all offseason, and then he winds up getting a hamstring injury. right? Did you have to talking. kick Holiday in the forehead? I wasn't, but that's... You notice the... I said forehead. Yes. Well, he's the poster child of the point of this conversation. I know. Yes. I should give you a chance. Well, if you try to do that, I duck, just in case you were insinuating. Okay. Uh, that did go over my head. Oh, you see? Uh, <laughs> uh, look Very at you. nice. Uh, uh, tremendous. Yeah, That's a good I'm here all week, end. by the way. Yeah, thank you. Everybody yeah. enjoy the rest of your Labor Day for Let's Metal with Paul DeTito. I'm John Schmelk. I know we didn't get any bold predictions today. I'm surprised. So um, I already told Madeline and Howard, so they're going to be ready tomorrow. Call them in with your bold predictions. We'll track them on our little document here on the computer. And uh, we'll track those and see how wrong all of us are as we go through the season because none of us ever read about anything. So just kind of how it goes. Enjoy the rest of your holiday, your Labor Day, and then we're back every day, all week, the rest of the season at 1230 on Big Blue Kickoff Live. For the guys, for Pearson, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you then.